I want to make sure that people know that we're regular people that want to make a difference and to do that we have to share our story. Welcome to the Shouldn't Even Be Her podcast, the show where a couple of guys who have outlived all expectations talk to people who have made the most out of their extra time. I'm Joe. And I'm Andy. And our guests today are Amy and Mike Lezakowski, the organizers of the world record-breaking marathon hockey game the 11-day power play. Who's leading this mob? That's a good question. Hi, everybody! You have everything. Pneumonia? Yes. Juvenile diabetes? Yes. Hysterical pregnancy? A, a little bit, yes. Aren't you supposed to give him anesthetic? What's wrong with you? Uh, you had a stroke about seven years ago. I'm 37?! At least I don't have cancer. Chemo's toxic. That you've managed to be walking around all this time is nothing short of a miracle. Not even supposed to be here today. Hi, Mike. Hi, Amy. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming out. It has been uh, quite the trial to get you guys out here. (laughs) I imagine uh, scheduling an interview two weeks before 11-day consistent event probably wasn't the best uh, scheduling attempt on my part. Well, thanks for being patient with us. We're here. Last week, we had to postpone. I said we're going to change the name to the Couldn't Even Be Here podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to keep going uh, forward. To get started, Amy, you're the architect of this event. Well, I think we've supported cancer causes because of my situation being diagnosed with breast cancer at 35. But ultimately, Mike's mom passing away in 2016 really kind of propelled us into this event. So we're here for all survivors. A lot of our listeners are not from Buffalo and have no idea what the event is. So tell us what the 11-day power play when it started, what your goal was. The original event was a, a world record for the world's longest hockey game, which happened to be 250 hours and uh, 36 minutes or something. So we decided that we are going to break that record, and that was 40 guys playing one continuous game for 11 days. And that was, that was, that was the goal, to raise a million dollars for Roswell Park at the time. And uh, we successfully pulled that one off somehow, some way, uh, with a lot of sore feet and a lot of good memories. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that was the reason we started this just really for one event. We, uh, we had such tremendous support that we decided that we wanted to do it again and we didn't want to subject ourselves to the same thing. So we opened it up to the community and, uh, we decided to make it a, uh, a larger event for more people to, to be involved. So the first time you guys did this, it was in 2017. Yes. And it was only 40 players, 40 players by the sixth day. There were 2,000 blisters. <laughs> I believe that. Um, that was what the medical staff in, a, in another interview that I'd seen from from that first year. Is that is that accurate? That's accurate. And people think that those blisters were just on feet. The majority of the blisters were actually on the hands. Yeah, feet, the hands, elbows, uh, everything. I mean, we had we had uh, stitches in the face, broken noses, uh, heart. heart problems we had a little bit of everything so it was a pneumonia so nick fatty is a friend of the show right uh, at the time was running harbor center and nick is a local buffalo hockey player who had you know quite a bit of success in the game and uh, we tweeted out last week a photo of nick doing an interview from halfway through and his face looked I mean, he had broken his nose. We got, what, hit by a puck? Yeah, he got hit by a puck. As, uh, one of his own players took a shot, went off the net, and uh, hit him right in the beak. And uh, he started bleeding everywhere. And to his credit, he went. He had to go to the hospital. 
and uh, got it taken care of. And he was back for his next shift. Never missed, never missed a shift. Not only that, we asked Nick to wear a full cage when he went back out there, but he didn't really comply. I would imagine that knowing Nick, <laughs> he, he, he declined. I've seen the helmet that Nick wears, and it looks a lot like the uh, the Jofa helmet that Wayne Gretzky used to wear, yeah. which was a glorified piece of plastic yeah. with, I think, a, a sponge in it. Yeah, he wore a Jofa. <laughs> the old record, I actually looked that up. It was 250 hours, 3 minutes, and 20 seconds was the original from a team in Alberta. And you guys beat it by with 250 hours, 10 minutes, and 3 seconds. So you edged them out by 7 whole minutes. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Last year... Of course we know. The uh, Now, was it the old record holders yep. that beat yep. you? They, yep. Same guys. Same guys? Yep. And I looked. Their actual event is called World Longest Game. Yep. So they went ahead and they broke your record again. Yeah. Well, for now. For now. Okay. <laughs> The event now is has what's called the community shift. Yeah. The community shift, you know, when we were recovering from the first event on the beach, we thought long and hard about how we can continue. And with <clears throat> with the amount of people that reached out and asked if they could help these 40 guys, like, can I come and skate for one hour to give them a break? You know, unfortunately, we couldn't do that because it had to stay the 40 original players. So we thought with that interest, why not invite the community to come in and play? So we thought we would do the 11-day game and have two new teams come in every four hours. And that's what we did. Do the original 40, are they still involved from year to year? Yeah. Yeah, they have been. Yeah, very much so. We've uh, we formed some of the guys I've known, you know, my whole life. A couple of them. Some of them I met when we first, you know, we did the uh, the world's longest game. And we've, uh, we've become quite a close-knit little family. And uh, as you can imagine... You know they're they're involved. We have uh, fundraisers. We, you know, we know each other socially, and it's been uh, it's been fun. We've made a lot of really great friends and a lot of memories to, to uh, cherish. So, how did you actually pick the original forty? What was the process? It was uh, we we told everybody very very uh, clearly that they had to be in it for the you know for the right reasons. We you'd mentioned the world's longest game, Brent Sake, the guy that organized it. There's actually another group in in uh, Calgary that that also has done this uh, the world's longest game twice, and we got to be really close with them. They they gave us a lot of tips, and uh, we we consulted with them as we did our game. So one of the things they said is, um, don't pick the best hockey players. Pick the guys or girls that have the most reason to play and the most passion to play, because after about four or five days, it's clearly not about hockey. It's about just drive and will and wanting to uh, make a difference in your community. And uh, we, we saw that firsthand. Mm -hmm. Now, did you play in the game? Were you no. one of the original 40? I do not know how to escape. <laughs> you do not want me not to yet. play hockey. Which, which <laughs> seems like a very odd event for you to, <laughs> to organize. You know, I've, I've become quite the expert, but I will not play it. I know all about it, but I will not play. <laughs> She's a hockey event organizer, not a player. Yes. <laughs> When you watched and saw what the guys went through to be on the ice and to play and to keep going, did you draw any parallels with going through chemo and going through treatment and just that same kind of motivation of, I have to get up and do this another day. I don't have a choice. We keep going. Yes. I, I saw a lot of most, most every, actually every one of our 40 guys digging deep. And when you go through treatment, you don't have a choice and you have to put one foot in front of the other. And seeing these guys keep going and after day three of kind of bizarre things happening, it became testy at times, which we were warned about um, from the previous 
organizers in Alberta and in Canada, you really just have to stick together and be a team and do what you got to do to get through. And they all did. I think it was very emotional for me to watch because I felt very responsible as an organizer to make sure that they were taking re really good care of during, during the event. So you had medical staff available. You had the Harbor Center. The people were sleeping there. That facility was open 24-7, 11 days in a row. How did you guys afford to keep all those people on staff? So all of the volunteers in our event are volunteers. Um, so our event was literally put on by 340 volunteers, people coming in and out, people that worked several shifts, people that worked double shifts. They made that event happen. We did not hire one person to be there to put on that event. It was the Buffalo community that came together to make that 11-day game go on. And that's what happens with each of our community shift events. It's all volunteers and it's our community coming together for the fight of cancer. The money that was raised for the original game, that where did that all go? So that was for the first year, you know, we, we wanted to support cutting edge research at Roswell Park. You know, the proceeds from our event went 100% to Roswell. And then- And that's Roswell Park, our local cancer institute that does research. Yes, and amazing research. And they're making strides every day. Um, in our community and beyond. There's people from all over the world that come to Roswell Park for treatment. And working there for a few sh few years, I saw people flying in from California, from different countries coming for treatment. So not only are we supporting our local community, we're supporting beyond that. Did you work with Roswell prior to being sick? No. Okay, that was something you did after. That wasn't one of those things where you're like, oh, by the way, now I'm <laughs> going to be showing up down the hall <laughs> for, for treatment as part of my... No, I think I always had, when I was going through treatment, I would walk through those halls and I would say to my dad, who was there for every single one of my treatments, Dad, I want to work here someday. I want to help patients. And I'm a social worker by trade. I, I have a degree in social work and I worked with geriatric patients my entire life. Um, and after my treatment, going back and working with them, I just had this need to want to help cancer patients through their treatment and applied for the first job that I felt I could do at Roswell. I was the patient education resource center coordinator at Roswell Park. So any patient that came through Roswell for treatment had to or was sent to the resource center for support and resources and I supported them through their cancer treatments and also their families as well. Um, and we also did programming, we do programming as well, um, all different types of programming for caregivers and also patients. What do you mean by programming? Um, wellness programs, you know, how to cope, you know, with, with treatment. Um, we did a, um, I started a makeup class for patients going through cancer treatment, an organic makeup class for women to help them look and feel pretty through their cancer treatment. Um, the wig program, uh, we enhanced that. Um, we, I wanted more options for patients during treatment and anything that would make them feel better about themselves is what I really wanted to do. That's awesome. Now, can I say, obviously we don't have a visual element on here, but Amy has a tremendous head of hair. Um, <laughs> it is it is back because um, they say that after chemo, your hair either comes back. If you have thick hair to start, it never comes back, as evidenced by the top of my head. <laughs> and if you had regular hair, it comes back even thicker. So you must have been right in the uh, in the middle zone because you would never guess. Yeah, she was bald. I was bald, and I had many wigs, so I. Mike had many different wives. <laughs> Jojo. Trixie. Trixie and Jojo. And Shanae. <laughs> Do you still have them? 
you, think, you I think keep I have one. one. I've actually, I've given them to patients, um, friends of mine that have had it towards treatment, wanted to help them. And my wigs were awesome, weren't they? Yeah, they were, they were, uh, <laughs> they were very real looking. Um, they weren't, you know, your typical wigs. And wigs have come a long way in 10 years. It's been 10, 10 years since I've been in treatment. And now they have highlights and all different, more modern styles. So there's a lot of options out there for patients. So which one did you keep, Shanae? Is that uh, the JoJo <laughs> actually? I think it was JoJo, the yeah. short hair one. <laughs> In the first year, you raised what one point four million was the was the number or one point two? First year was one point two. Okay. And then uh, last year was one point two eight, one point three to round up. And uh, you know, every year we set a million dollar goal. It's a very uh, daunting task to raise a million dollars, and uh, we, we don't want to lose sight of you know making the event um, not only. The, you know the money part, but but raising awareness. So each year we've decided that we're gonna we're gonna put a million dollar goal out there, and uh, we've been lucky enough to exceed it each year. We're heading that way now. Uh, we have we're at about one point one million dollars as we speak, which is a couple hundred thousand dollars ahead of where we were at this time last year. So our our goal right now is to exceed what we did last year. Um, but I think next year when we do this, we'll probably put out another million dollar goal and organize it in a similar way so that we can uh, still raise a lot of money but not put the pressure on us to, make, to raise 2 million or 2.5 because there's so much, Amy and our event manager, Sarah, do so much on a daily basis that to have, it's great to have a goal, but to make it the, the, the primary focus gets a little bit daunting. So uh, yeah, we're on our way to exceeding our 1.3 for this year. So now Andy and I are both playing this year. We're on different teams, so we'll be playing in different community shifts. And you know, we were tasked as part of it to go out and raise funds, and that goes to the grand total. For the original 40, how did they raise the money? Was it just 40 people going out and raising that money? So 40, 40 of our players yeah. raised $1.2 million. $2 million. That's amazing. Um, yeah. We put out a minimum of, at first, 5000 um, and we thought that was going to be tedious and hard. And then a few weeks before we really launched, our players were like, you know what? We can raise ten. We can raise $10,000, and they all exceeded. It was actually a pretty interesting evolution even before that. When we we had this idea formulated, we talked so much about it. We, we kind of knew the process that we wanted to follow, how we were going to motivate people, how we were going to select people like you had asked. And when we first had the idea, we, we thought that we were going to put a goal out there of $500,000. And we had talked we had a core group of people that we talked to, and there was like, yeah, we can raise $5,000, $6,000. And we met with the time we met with Roswell, their group of people there. And there was a few people that had questioned us saying, you've never raised any money. How are you going to raise $500,000? And in that same conversation, we said, you know what? We're going to raise a million. And they were like, okay, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, so it was almost like the group of people that we had took this challenge on and they were almost, you know, they wanted, they wanted the challenge. They wanted to raise more. And we, we went back after that, and as Amy just said, um, we told her it was going to be $10,000 instead of five. And I think the average was fifteen or sixteen or something. It was more, I think the average per player was 17000 that year. We also had a bunch of corporate sponsors, and we had sales at the event. But there's twenty almost 2,500 people raising 1.3, 1.4 this year. We had 40 raising 1.2. Think about that. Yeah, I didn't raise anything close to 15000 <laughs> <laughs> Well... Whatever you raise, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'll admit, I had to throw in, because uh, they have the uh, 
the power player jerseys. Oh, yeah. We have there's two sets of jerseys you can get. You can get the the standard jersey, and then you can get the ones that are really nice and lace up yeah. on the top yeah. and look a little extra special. And I, I threw in a maybe 150 of my own money <laughs> at, at the end just to to reach well, the good. deadline. You'll be glad you did. Um, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but the jer- you know, we changed the jerseys. I did not that's know that. Part of the, it's part of the twist. We're not going to tell you what they are, but uh, meaning we, they're different from last year, right? In a good way. Um, we we want to uh, keep it fresh, and that's one of the ways that we're doing it. And you'll be you'll be glad you put in, put in your own couple bucks. Now, I was actually really disappointed because I talked to Amy the other day, and we were talking about the logistics of of the game, the and just getting everything out and I, I wanted to pick my own number and she told me that I was not allowed to pick my own number and that I would be issued number sure. 11. <laughs> as long as you pick 11, you get yeah. it. <laughs> I thought I said it nicely. <laughs> no, you did. You did. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> um, and I thought it was just about logistics. I thought, because you said, hey, everybody gets number 11 and I figured that that was just because you have, what, 2,000 people that are skating almost 2,500. Yeah. And that giving everybody their choice of name and number on their Jersey. I've, I've been a captain of a team that's ordered 25 jerseys and making sure everybody gets the right one. Right. Was in and of itself a challenge. Right. So how come I can't get a Jersey with my own number on it? (laughs) Because in our event, everyone is on the same team. You know, we, we are all fighting for a cause here and, the number 11 represents the organization that has a very strong mission to fight cancer. Um, so that is why. Now, if we real- all had different numbers, we wouldn't be really on the, you know, well, we'd be on the same team. We would be on the same. I didn't want to question but- that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've been on a lot of teams. They, that's the whole point of the number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, original, the original guys had to have their own number because by rule, we had to have a real, you know, I have a bona fide hockey game. So unique numbers, unique names, uh, just like a regular hockey game would. So, we do treat our, our original crew a little bit, you know, we put them on a little bit of pedestal and rightly so because we kind of, you know, they started this whole thing with us. So they do, uh, in our opening ceremonies, we, we get our, we keep our numbers that we had originally. That's the only we also the We also wanted the community to know when they saw a player recognize the number 11. Um, at Hockey Fights Cancer at the Sabres games, our players are invited. Yes, nice shirt. So um, I, I picked my Hockey Fights Cancer shirt. Uh, <laughs> Um, our event. players are invited to be a part of that evening and you pretty much know when you see the number 11 on the back that they've played in our event. Um, so it's really, you know, to represent the organization and what we fight for. Plus no. like Gilbert Pro. Cause you guys have some ex NHL guys that are playing yep. and they all have their own number. Was it Andrew Peters yep. was one of the games or, yep. or was one of the players yep. in the original 40 well, Andrew, Andrew was involved. He didn't play. Michael Peck is a friend of ours. He didn't. He was going to play. He couldn't. He had a, he had an injury. Um, but these guys play at the end against our top fundraisers. So Andrew will play. Michael will play. Patrick Coletta will play. Ryan Gianta will play. Marty Brown will play. Matt Ellis, Kevin Adams. There's a whole crew. And there's also a, a four or five Buffalo Buttes that will play. Awesome. Yeah. Do you know which Buttes? Um, definitely Maddie Elia. Emily Janiga, they're going to kill me if they're listening. Uh, there's two or three others that I can't recall their names right I now. I hope they're listening. We're trying to get them on the show. <laughs> I ran into Pat Coletta and Maddie Ilya on the street the other day. Yeah, so we, uh, we see Patrick off and we coached together a couple of years ago. For, you know, uh, Pat reached out to us last year and wanted to be a part of the event. 
and has been tremendous in, in helping us really motivate our players by creating that last shift um, to, to allow the players to play against, you know, the Sabres alumni and the Buffalo Buttes. And to have the opportunity to have Andrew Peters take you out. Yeah, did you as, see that? As is, the, uh, as is the story. What was his explanation? He said it, it wasn't his fault that the uh, the other player lacked the ability to move out of the way. <laughs> Sounds his... about right. Sounds about right. Sounds like something Andrew would say. That was on the instigators. But now that brings up you guys. We won't name anybody because we don't want to have them uh, have the greater community start pushing to have it be a problem. But you've had actual current NHL players come out and, and request to come and play in the game. Yeah, some of it we can't talk about, but last year uh, Alex Tuck played. And Alex, uh, you know, he's an amazing guy, an amazing player. He played for Vegas Golden Knights. This year, Alex Iofello, who's a local kid from Eden, he plays for the LA Kings, he'll be playing. There's also a ton of junior and college and, and guys that are playing semi-pro or former pros that are playing this year. There were a couple of Sabres that had requested that, you know, they play, but uh, they may or may not have signed a $10 million deal at the time. And <laughs> the, uh, the Sabres thought it best that they don't partake in a charity game just that, just yet. The request the request was shortly before or after uh, yeah. Andrew Peters reminded everybody <laughs> how, he, how he plays. <laughs> I don't know if that helped the cause. <laughs> this is what you're in for. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's great that those guys can get involved because it really adds an element that um, you know it, people people that are in the in Buffalo love the Sabers and they love the Buttes and uh, they go and watch them and they're excited to meet them and let alone play against them. It's it really you know it enhances our we feel it really enhances our event and we're glad that guys like Pat Coletta and Michael Peck and Andrew Peters and that whole crew they you know they're really gracious with their time and they we really appreciate it. I think it's a cool thing, too, that, you know, the Harbor Center in Buffalo is a place where, you know, the Sabres do their practices there. The Buffalo Buttes play their games on that on the main ice rink. Mm -hmm. This game goes on on that main rink. And I know, like, as a kid, you know, Mike, you're in the, the same age bracket as we are growing up when the odd yeah. was there. And, like, yeah. growing up as a kid, one of my greatest memories is we played for the Buffalo Saints, and we had a white versus black jersey scrimmage game amongst yep. ourselves at the odd we went in to get dressed and um yeah we walked by ted nolan's sitting in his office with the door open and he's yep. just like oh hey kids and it's, yeah. it's mind-blowing so it's, yep. a, it's a cool thing you know when you yep. see these to be able to go and you get that minor thrill of, yeah. of getting to skate on the same yep. ice surface and when i was a kid we were the very first they do it almost every game now but you know between periods they have little kids play we were the first ones to ever do that when i was a kid and to play in the odd when there's, you know, 10 or 15,000 people there, that was, and it's only for five minutes, but it's, it's a, it's a feeling of a lifetime when you're, when you're a little kid. Did you score? No, <laughs> I'm sure nobody did, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it's a lot of fun. And it, uh, Harbor Center is a great place. It, uh, again, our, our event is enhanced by a place like Harbor Center. It's a, it's a little bit of a destination in Buffalo. So we, uh, we really enjoy it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Oh, well, great, that's important. What a great place. We were just there. That's true Buffalo. We were just there with Cleta. Yeah, we were just hanging out with Cleta there. <laughs> the last time I was at Swanee House, we went. We were with a uh, our other host, Chris, who's usually in the, the seat that you're sitting in, Mike. 
he is an actor. He's not here today. He's actually filming a movie. But Chris also does a uh, a tour of Buffalo, and they it's a uh, mystery tour, and they dress up like they're from the twenties, and we hit a bunch of bars, and so our group of friends went to see uh, to support him, and it ended at Swanee House, and it happened to be the day of the Buffalo Naked Bike Ride. Oh, so we are perfect. we were sitting on the outside all waiting for. Uh, our, our characters from yesteryear to come around so we can try and figure out the... Uh... <laughs> I remember that day. We were sitting at the uh, Allentown Burger Venture and, uh, it was Julia's on Allen Street. And lo yeah, and behold, it was our 16-year-old family birthday. <laughs> I didn't quite know how to explain that one to her. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite times of our both events was the, the Buffalo Soul Roll. They had about 500 people. The first night, the first event was awesome because it was a Sunday night. We ended Monday morning. It was Sunday night, and a group of us were playing. And by the time you know Sunday night rolled around, we were pretty shot. And at about three, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, five hundred people just came out of nowhere, and they're banging on the glass and they're partying. And we cranked the music up, and it was such a boost of energy and adrenaline. And they stayed for about I don't know forty five minutes or so, and then away they went as quick as they came. They went, and uh, but that was only. So I slept four hours a night, Yeah, and this happened during the four hours I was sleeping, and I n- I've not stopped hearing about it, yeah. how f- much it fun like it was. It was only three hours before it ended, and we were in, uh, we were in you know, starting our celebration mode at that point. Andy and I both play men's league hockey to zero people ever watching except for, well, now we're, we're old enough that the kids that we end up playing with in the summer, their parents drive them, <laughs> which is... Uh, soul crushing both on the level that you know their their parents are watching and that they just never 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 stop skating <laughs> um but what kind of crowds do you get during the course of the event do people is there like a good ebb and flow of people who just stop in to just see what's going on there is i mean opening opening celebration this year july 5th from like six to nine should be a very packed harbor center Um, But throughout the event, you know, we encourage our teams to make sure that their friends and families know about it, create an event on social media so that people can be reminded of when it comes. Um, We do. I I would say that our youth teams probably get more of a crowd than our adult teams do. Uh, Maybe it's because the wives and the girlfriends have, you know, seen enough of their hockey. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) My my wife's not coming. She's already told me. Yeah. Um, now, how can people still donate? If people hear about it, they're not playing, they don't know someone playing, and they're not in Buffalo, how can they donate money? Is there links on the website? Can they just send a direct? On our website, 11daypowerplay.com, there's a large donate button, the first thing that you see. Um, and also the schedule, the actual full schedule of the event is one of the second large boxes that you can see because we want people to come down and support people that they know or even that they don't know. Um, it's really a community coming together and we've got lots of great merchandise um, for sale and it's reasonable and we encourage people to come down for that. Now, I noticed, I personally am excited. I saw you guys are raffling off a mm-hmm. bubble hockey Super Checks machine. Super Checks Pro. Oh boy! Oh, what's the difference between the regular and the pro? Apparently, it's an upgraded version. My goodness! Now, <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo is for people who aren't from Buffalo. It's very difficult to understand how, even though Buffalo is a large metro area with the actual city and all the suburbs, 
we all know each other by one degree of separation. We There's were only talking like fifteen people that live here. Yeah, you. We were talking before Mike, uh, one of Mike's friends, and one of my buddies. We, we share a common friend that we both played hockey with. Never knew. I've never met Mike before, but you know we have we have a friend in common, so we know Always. we're all right. Um, There's you know, a rule when you're at a restaurant: you do not mention names when you're talking. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, Amy here went to Narden. Uh, for high school, and we have a running joke uh, on the show because all of our previous guests have been Canisius High School alumni, which is <laughs> right next door. Um, but, you know, we used to joke, uh, my girlfriend in high school who went to Narden, she couldn't go anywhere because just her parents knew enough people that no matter where she went, she, she'd she be ratted out by whomever. <laughs> there was somebody there that was going to get her. Um, but I was driving. Um, I happened, I needed to stop by a friend's house and drop something off and we were in the apartment complex. And as I was driving by, I saw a guy unloading a 11 day power play super checks machine off of his pickup truck. And I, two years ago, no, this was yesterday. Oh my God. And I was, I pulled over and was like, Hey, is that the machine that's going up, uh, for, yeah, you know, for the contest this year, and he's like, "No, I'm original 40. We all got to have our. Uh, oh, who was we got it? to buy. I have no idea. I didn't know what it. I, Where was it? It was on Grand Island. It was, Bruno. It looked John like he was Bruno. he was moving Shorter in. Shorter guy. Um, I honestly, it, it, it went John super Bruno. quick. Having not met you, I didn't have. I I didn't want to look like an idiot and be like, "Are you Mike? Am I talking to you on Tuesday?" So I'm just like, "All right, man. All right." Way to go. And he's like, yeah, we got to buy them and we're getting our names put on the back. And it was such a cool, like, but like, it's just one of those things in Buffalo to be able to just, you run into random people and just to be able to throw out the thing of saying, Hey, I'm an original 40. And everybody that was in the car knew exactly what he meant. And it was like, it was a thing. One of our favorite things is, um, you know, we we do the uh, decals or the, or the uh, magnets on the cars. So we drive around town and we see one. You know, the 11D, 11 DPP thing. It's 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 such a feeling of pride that uh, the people you know driving around town and they were part of our event. Well, right going into the city, you guys have that huge billboard um, right over by where the tolls used to be. Now that can't be cheap. That's donated. Donated by Lamar. They're one of our. They've been with us from the very beginning. Um, they helped us in in the first event, and they've been with us ever since. Yeah, they they've given us two static boards and two dynamic boards, and it's probably each year it's the equivalent of about thirty thousand dollars worth of advertising that they give us. Now, does that count towards your? Yeah. So that's just I mean that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that just helps Cherry you on top. That just the spreads stuff. the word, yeah, and that makes it you know makes it uh, more of a, a well known event and spreads the word. So yeah, that we don't count that as as donation. And what? Crawley Web is our presenting sponsor this year, and they've been with us also from the very beginning, and they help create what goes on those billboards. So there's a partnership there between Lamar and Crawley Web to get that up there and, and help us advertise. And yeah. they, they, I mean, they, they advertise and they market. They, they offer their services to the biggest and best companies around town, and they're, they're the real deal. And they, they've given us their services from day one, all volunteer, all gratis, as it's pretty amazing and they're the most unbelievably talented and uh, uh, innovative people we've ever met. Mm-hmm. I know those are the people who designed the logo for the jersey. Yes and in the fall this year I had had this dream that we had a mascot 
I couldn't remember what it looked like, but I woke up thinking, oh my gosh, we need to get a mascot for our event. So I talked to Mike about it and he's like, you got to call Crowley Webb on Monday. And I did. And they rolled up their sleeves. They'd never created a mascot they were so happy. Ever. They were so excited to do it. it was yeah. So, cool. so we worked, I worked with them all year on, on our mascot. Did he power play? No. <laughs> Can we expect him to repel from the ceiling? As, uh... <laughs> I'm sure I won't allow that, but um, <laughs> he will be there. You can't, be... you can't get some of the surgeons at Roswell to just kind of give a, a pro bono, you know, <laughs> ahead of time. Like, Hey, if this guy falls, we'll get some, <laughs> we'll get him. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Harbor Center's. uh, Equipped for that, but we—he's—he is going to skate around on opening night, and he will be around the event. He's been practicing his debut. Yes, yes. he has his own skates. And also, you know, we we started talking about Crawley. We talked about Lamar. We we at any chance that we get to uh, talk about the people that have helped us, we we like to do that. From the very day that we started, Clever Method, um, they're a, they're also marketing branding, but they also. Uh, do websites and they design our website and they maintain our website and they update our website and they're really amazing people. Uh, Doug, one of the owner, he and I graduated from high school together and we've kept in touch and you know they've given us tens of thousands of dollars of services that would that we would otherwise have to pay for. And it's guys like that and Crowley and Lamar, the Sabers, New PSC, Era, New Era. Uh, who else? We don't want to miss anybody, so we got to make sure we. If we're going to talk about that, we have everybody on there. Yeah, definitely. Going back to Buffalo, you know, now you did not go to Canisius, Mike. Um, St. Francis. Yeah. Uh, we, it's I, okay. I, I did a little bit of research. We're not going to. It's not St. Joe's, so it's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll forgive you. But, I mean, the, the line that they all gave us when we got to Canisius was that come here, be a good person, learn, learn your stuff, and then when you're adults, you're going to be amazed at what people – you're going to make connections with when they find out you went to Canisius and that you're in Buffalo, you've kind of got that, that first handshake out of the way and they at least will assume that you're a good guy and it's up to you to ruin that, <laughs> that perception. And it's, it's cool to see that that happens for, you know, St. Franny's grads as well. Thank you. Now being a local guy going to St. Franny's and your wife is a Narnger, were you guys high school sweethearts? No. Didn't know each other. Thank goodness. <laughs> My wife says the same thing. She grew up about a mile from me, and she said that if we had met in high school, we would have never been married. Probably true. Uh, we met working. We had, I was just out of college, and she was still in college. We met at a, at a place of employment. I was a bartender, and she was a waitress, and that's how we met. We ended up getting married in the same place. I was in my senior year. Yeah. He's a lot older than I am. <laughs> just out. <laughs> we worked weddings and... He was the bar manager, and anytime a table would order a bottle of wine, I was very shy at that time in my life, and I had, you know, struggled with presenting the wine and all of that. So whenever he overheard a table ordering a bottle of wine, he would get the whole tray ready and actually walk out and do it for me. So I couldn't help Probably but points. I couldn't help but like him. <laughs> you said that between the two of you, you're the shy one, and obviously that, that he said you used to be shy, but that hasn't gone away. I'm pretty shy. Yeah, I mean. And She's opened up, believe me. I mean, I, telling my story is obviously very important. Um, I want to make sure that people know that we're, we're regular people that want to make a difference. And, you know, to do that, we have to share our story. Now, you are the public face of the 11-Day Power Play. 
everything that says 11 day power play, you are the one talking, you're up on stage. Obviously in the original 40, Mike was playing and you were emceeing the event and you were up on, you know, in front of the whole crowd. Mm-hmm. It's not easy for me, <laughs> to be honest. It's, you know, not something I'm totally comfortable with, but I know the importance of being out there and I like doing it. It's just not, it doesn't come easy for me. Yeah, I don't know if we want to. good at it. No, this is the this is the good stuff. We joke around on, on this side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> but I had testicular cancer. And so I can't even say half of the nicknames that I have with my friends. But you you know, you lose a piece of that ability to be shy or to have to hold anything back. And it's a weird thing. I can imagine that it's even more strange for, you know, to have breast cancer. And then to transition your personal life to go forward and say, not only did I go through this thing that's really personal and private, and I'm a shy person, but now we are going to be the Buffalo public face of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge, that's a huge 180 to take. How did you get to that place in your mind when you're like, we're going to do this thing and like, I'm going to put my stamp on it. I think after going through what I went through and then after working with patients, um, going through cancer treatment and seeing how difficult it is for them and their families. And if we can be a small part of, you know, making a difference, if we can continue to lead our community with this event, I'm going to do it and we're going to do it together. So that's kind of where I've come to. I know the importance of supporting, you know, patients and families and, that's exactly what the 11 day power play does. We support cancer research because we want to find a cure, but we also want to support families through their treatment. Um, it, cancer does not only affect the patient, it affects the entire family. And Camp Good Days supports you know, the brothers and the sisters of patients and the parents and Make-A-Wish also does the same. And those two organizations are very important. So where does the, um, you mentioned those two organizations, where does the money that, that is raised through the 11 day power play go? Where does all of it go? Um, so we, um, our primary beneficiary is Roswell Park. So cutting edge cancer research there and also wellness programs, but also Camp Good Days um, and Make-A-Wish of Western New York do receive a smaller portion from our event because we know the importance of supporting families and patients during treatment. Yeah, the average wish, the average wish is five to $10,000. So they told us with the money we gave last year, they granted 19 or 20 wishes. It's a big deal. And camp is more like, it's more of a general fund and they can get host kids just to be kids. And if you know anything about the organization, the founder had a daughter who had cancer and uh, didn't feel comfortable around her own friends. And he created a place that her friends uh, and also kids with cancer could all come together and have something in common that wasn't, wasn't uh, seen as taboo, whatever, and that's grown. I think that's that's grown over twenty plus years, and it's every year it's getting gotten bigger. And they do they do really great things for kids that are going through stuff and their families. And last year we sent nearly a hundred kids to camp for free, and you know we hope to do more this year. How did you discover that you had breast cancer? So I was up late at night one night and happened to roll over and feel a lump. Um, and I remember asking Mike like the next day, you know, did you come across this lump? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what should I do? Like, do you think it's serious? And he's like, I think it's serious because it's, you know, it was pretty large at the time and yeah, it just didn't seem right. So I went and got it checked as soon as I could and it came back 
you know, positive that it was cancer and headed in to do what I needed to do. So, you know, being at Roswell Park, I was able to jump on a clinical trial, which actually I think really helped me in the end. That clinical trial lasted three years along, you know, going through five months of, of chemotherapy. Now, had it spread beyond? Was it stage one, stage two? So, you know, the stages is always it's kind of hard to pr predict what stage you are at the time of diagnosis. So at, at first they thought I was stage two, um, but then my tumor had tripled in size by the time it was taken out. So three weeks, at, you know, I was diagnosed and three weeks later I had my surgery. And in that time my tumor had tripled in size. So it was a very aggressive form. Um, so, you know, my surgery was pretty extensive and I continue to have surgeries to kind of mask the situation. Yeah, breast cancer has very, many different characteristics. And one of my characteristics, characteristics is, is really a negative. And a year prior to um, my being diagnosed, a drug was just approved um, by the F FDA. So I was able to- As part of the clinical trial? As part of my treatment plan. Actually, it, was, it, was become, it became standard treatment by the time I was diagnosed so that I could take that drug um, and that drug went along with my chemotherapy, and that was a immunotherapy. So that's using your own body to fight cancer, and that's primarily what we really want to support at Roswell Park because immunotherapy will help patients from all different types of cancer. So this, so it had spread to other parts of your body. No, uh, no. Okay, so they had had it contained, you know, mm -hmm. and the issue was more that they're just trying to keep it from coming back. The chemo that I was on and the immunotherapy that I was on prevented it from going anywhere else in my body. Before you said you have more surgeries to come. Do you yes. want to talk about that or, or no? <laughs> well, any breast cancer patient that goes through surgery that's pretty extensive, they generally have to go through reconstruction. Um, so that reconstruction can last for a certain while. And then you need to, to go into the plastic surgeon to have more work done. So I'm ending up finishing up my 10 years um, cancer-free, and I will be heading into my fifth surgery since I was diagnosed. So now how old were you when this, when this all happened? 35, How yes. old were the kids? So they were five, six, and 11 when I was diagnosed, and they're now 22, 16, and 15. Did they understand what was going on when it was happening, or was it just that mommy is bald now? And, <laughs> you know what, I- ones definitely didn't. As a social worker, I wanted my kids to not wonder, you know, I wanted them to be part of my treatment. So when it came time for me to lose my hair, my kids all participated in shaving my head. And I have pictures of that day and they were so excited to be a part of it. God knows why, but they were. And looking back at it, like now they talk about it and they're like, we just thought you had a bad cold. <laughs> um, my daughter just spoke in front of her entire school in our academy for Relay for Life. She was the kickoff speech and she talked about being six when I had cancer and how she feels. She was glad that she didn't know really what cancer was and that she remembers being a part of it, but she was never fearful because we had her a part of it. Um, but she didn't quite know what cancer was at six years old, which I don't think most kids do. We didn't have resources, which is why we're so passionate about making sure families out there have resources to help. I never knew there was a Camp Good Days that my kids could go to and talk about their fears or what we were going through. They would have 
probably just gone and be like, I don't know why I'm here. My mom's got a cold. <laughs> like, yeah. This is this is weird. Yeah. All you kids are crying. My mom's, know, mom's got the cancer. sniffles. She's got a bad haircut and a cold. <laughs> you, know? you know, our 11-year-old at the time, she's now 22. She was very, very scared. You know, I think it depends on what age you are um, and how you are able to m maturely understand the conversation. Patients and their siblings really benefit from, from those services. We'll take a quick break before we wrap it up. So we're back from the break and we, we had to come back quick. We're doing all, all our best stuff off the air. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> As usual, all of our best stuff with no segues comes in uh, when we're not recording anything. But keep listening, everybody. We'll, we'll get it on the air one of these times. <laughs> we were talking about celebrities. We were talking about the social media presence that John Krasinski and Jenna Fisher had with the, the playoffs. Uh, John Krasinski is living in Buffalo actually in Orchard Park, where we record the show, uh, filming A Quiet Place 2. And we're doing our very best to try and figure out how to get him on the show. And get him involved with the power play. They're going to be filming until mid-September. So we have a couple of months to get him on the show, but we have a very short time to get him to come and, and hang out at the 11-day power play. Who are you saying? Uh, oh, David Boreans, who's a uh, Buffalo guy. And he's the he's a, you know, the primary actor on, the, on Bones. I've run across him in a couple of spring tournaments over the last couple of years. David, and he skates as well, so that would be really cool if he showed up. I tweeted at him. Yeah, no, no to response. no response? Well, if you look at our social media, there's proof that we are a grassroots event, so we don't have many followers. Either. We do for Facebook, but Twitter's, Twitter's, I think we're at 1770. I don't know, that seems like a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a, 40. Really? That is, that is uh, oh, exponentially more than what we have right now. I retweet the stuff from 11 Day Power Play. That's the... Yeah. I was very excited when Thank I saw you. that uh, um, that super checks machine. If I could have retweeted that twice, <laughs> and then I immediately regretted it because I'm like, I want no one else to buy tickets for this. <laughs> like, you don't want to tell right. people about right. a raffle that right. you're into. You well, we're keep only it. <laughs> selling a thousand tickets. So, how much are the tickets? Five dollars. Yeah, where do you get the tickets? At the event. Oh, okay. If we want tickets, we got to be there opening day. Yes. Okay, which is July 5th. We have 2,500 players, so 1,000 is going to go quick. Now, were those donated by Super Checks? Yes, yes. ICE. So yes. They, uh, they, donated, they donated two games our first year. I got one of them. Because, uh, we um, got one of them. <laughs> have you ever played? Who, yeah, who plays it more? That's um, I dust it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to make sure it's clean. <laughs> in a very nice gesture, all the players, I didn't, they didn't give it to me. The, the players actually all chipped in and bought it for me, for mm -hmm. us, excuse me, um, <laughs> which was cool. And then we, we uh, raffled off the other one. Awesome. My daughter's first grade classmate, her grandfather in Orchard Park, is the guy who invented that machine. It's a great game. It is a great it's game. It's kind of like Left Right Center. Do you know Left Right Center? Oh, yeah. I do know Left That's a Buffalo game. That's a Buffalo game. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. We're a brilliant city. We are. Yeah. You don't get enough credit for it. If you want to get cancer, get cured of it, and play... <laughs> or play bar games. Or play bar fun, games. Fun this, bar is, game. this is the place. It's probably because the bars are open until 4 a.m., right? It's those hours between 2 and 4 when, when the normal crowd leaves and everybody's like, what do we do? Yeah. Got to think of something foosball, to play. Foosball, checks, darts. Yep. We got foosball right, right over there. there. Left, right, center. Yeah, crush you. <laughs> <laughs> foosball don't even say <laughs> we take we take challenges here very seriously yeah he, he bought a professional game once 
It got played like twice <laughs> and then sold for a quarter of what we paid for it. <laughs> so what is next for the Lezikowskis? Well, we have plans to continue every year. We want to change it up every year. Um, we do have some other cities interested in the 11-day power play coming to them. So we are working on that. Is there any hope in the future of doing another record run? The guys from Alberta, they they just broke your record February. with 251 hours, 7 minutes, and 58 seconds. Yeah. They beat you. I mean, they, they added almost a whole hour to mm -hmm. it. I mean, is there a chance that you guys are going to unofficially be a 12-day power play? It wouldn't hit 12 days for a while. Yeah. Um, we, talk, we, we actually talked to those guys about not doing too much more than like a minute because eventually eventually it becomes it, unable to be done, you know. It's about doing it in a, in a sustainable way. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We have that on record, Mike said, we will beat that. That's, <laughs> like, that's, like, Mark, that's like Mark Messier, yeah. we will win game yeah. seven. Right. Yeah. Well, he got a hat trick that game. In the 11 days that you played, were you able to get a hat trick? I had 85 goals, so I had like 180 points over that course of the time. And the, the leading scorer was a guy named Kenny Corp, great guy. He had like 212 goals. You know, again, going back to Buffalo being such a small place, when I learned to play hockey, I was like 12 years old, and I used to go to leisure rinks in West Seneca, and I used to go to skate and shoot every day and just see if I could keep up. Kenny Corp was one of the local regulars that played and I met Kenny Corp, and he taught me a whole bunch of things. You're probably taller than him. <laughs> yes, I probably was. <laughs> uh, but it was right after he had just gotten back from playing Denmark. in Denmark or Germany. He sold me. It was a Kenny Corp workout plan, <laughs> and it had all of the. Is this are you, is this true? This is a hundred percent true. Oh, it, the Kenny cover, Corp. The cover of it was like a teal blue, and it had a like hand drawn hockey player on it. Oh, and inside, it was like a workout plan. It was like between now and the eleven day power play, I will go to my parents' house and go through all my my childhood <laughs> stacks of papers that my mom has refused to pull out, and I will find the. Uh, Hockey off ice training by Kenny Corp that I that I bought in the parking lot of Leisure Rings for five dollars <laughs> out of the trunk of his car. Do this again and go for another Guinness record. You'll do the the same original forty, or you think you'll go with a new group? Well, I think we would of course offer it to the original forty, but we would open it up to anybody that was interested. Um, we'll probably do the same exact thing that we did prior, which was an application process and just kind of give people a chance to tell their story. So you're saying I have a chance. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we've touched on it before. Um, whoever whoever does it, whoever needs to be not just about hockey, it needs to have, when it's when you're when it's three o'clock in the morning on Tuesday night and you're six days in uh, and your feet are <laughs> swollen and cut or whatever, it's not it's not about hockey anymore. It's about you know drive and passion mm -hmm. that type of stuff. So. So yeah, it's it's really not about the level. It's about you know your passion and your drive. We haven't to help thought us. about it in a, couple, in a little while because we've done this now. It's the second time, so our focus has been on this. But it would be interesting to see what type of response we got. We had a pretty pretty good response the first time around. I, th I think it would be hard to sift through. Is my point? We have twenty five hundred people who are already at least in the draft. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. We had ninety five applicants the first year. That was hard. You know, there were people that. We really wanted to include, and you have to keep it to 40. So 
yeah, Mike had to cut his wife. You know? <laughs> it was her idea to do the whole thing. And he's like, yeah, listen, you're not going to make the cut. You don't know how to skate. <laughs> <laughs> she stayed involved. Although not knowing how to skate, you know, that that's probably the key to, to surviving the whole thing. It's just really relaxed shifts. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a lot of grinding out the corners. Very true. Preparing, everybody was like, well, what are we going to do if our ref doesn't show up? And they're like, oh, Amy, I'll just go out on the ice. And I'm like, um, no, I don't know how to ice skate. Sorry. <laughs> You seem stronger for having gone through all of it. The city is stronger from what you've done. The medical community, the kids, I mean, Camp Good Days, Roswell Park. Make-A-Wish. Make-A-Wish Foundation. Everybody is that much stronger, you know, for the sacrifice that you had to make. If some good can come of the things that we have to go through, I, mean, I think that's the, that's the whole thing. 11-Day Power Play starts July 5th. 2019 at Harbor Center in Buffalo. It will be going 24-7 for 11 days. If you are near the waterfront in Buffalo, you can stop by, check it out. There won't be any more raffle tickets for <laughs> the Super Chats machine because I will have... Yeah, I will, I will work that out before they, they leave. You can follow the 11-Day Power Play on Twitter at 11-Day Power Play. They're on Facebook at 11 Day Power Play. You can go to their website, 11daypowerplay.com. Donate there. You don't have to be a player next year and in years to come. Amy and Mike will always be looking for yes, people sir. to volunteer their time. And uh, we thank you guys for coming out and sharing your story. Thanks Much for having us. Yeah, thank you guys. Everyone deserves to be here, and that's why we're here, um, and that's why we're doing what we're doing is to make sure that everyone has that opportunity. Before my treatment, you know, it was a very aggressive type of breast cancer that treatments weren't available just two years before I was diagnosed. So I'm fortunate to be here, and we want to make sure that people have the best cutting-edge treatment available to them in our community. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't aware of my own body, and so every woman what, no matter what age they are, should be aware of the physical changes that are happening in their breasts. Because I was in tune to it and aware of it and did something right about it right away, I was able to save my life and, and get the treatment that I needed. A lot of what women need to do is focus on you know, those changes that they're feeling and, and make sure that they follow up on it. That's probably the biggest advice I have because if you're 32, you're not recommended to have a mammogram until you're 40, so you better be aware of those changes. You don't have to wait till you're 40.